Lord Jesus, we do just want a closer walk with you. So we ask that you would please open your word to us this morning and teach us from it. We, we want to become like you, but we don't know how. So Lord, please empower us to do that through your word. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. When I was at Stanford, I had a colleague whose name was Allegra. And she had already published a book by the time she got there. But more than that, she had also published a series of short stories in the New Yorker magazine and had been listed as one of their top writers, a list that included Norman Mailer and John Updike. And even more than that, she had a six-figure advance from a publisher for her next book. Meanwhile, I couldn't even publish C-Spot Run. (laughs) And to top it off, she was 10 years younger than I was. Allegra got on my nerves. Around her, I felt small, and I felt like I hadn't done anything, and I started to question myself. I'd ask questions like, well, what have I done with my life lately? And why aren't I where she is? And shouldn't I be further along by now? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have those same questions in my spiritual life, especially when I compare myself to other Christians, you know, Christians who seem like they're perfect and have it all together. I get around them and I start thinking things like, well, what's wrong with me? Why do I still have doubts? Shouldn't I have overcome those by now? I'm a pastor. Why am I still tempted with arrogance and pride and anger and just about every other sin there is? Shouldn't I be over that by now? Why do I keep making the same mistakes over and over again? Now, I need to to say I have made progress in all of these areas, so... (laughs) Don't get too depressed about your pastor. (laughs) But it's not as much as I wish it was, and it's not as fast as I wish it was. And so I end up saying to myself, shouldn't I be there by now, wherever there is? And I'm wondering if maybe you do the same sometimes. Do you ever look at your spiritual progress and just kind of get discouraged or depressed? It's thoughts like those that the Apostle Paul addresses in the scripture we just read from Philippians. For the next few weeks, we're going to study the book of Philippians, which is just a great book about how to have joy in tough times. And at the very beginning, Paul, who's the author of the book, says that one of the things that gives him joy is the spiritual progress of the Philippians. In verse 6, he says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, the theological issue that Paul is pointing to here is called sanctification. That's a fancy word. They taught it to me in seminary. I like to use it. (laughs) It basically means the process of becoming more like Jesus. You see, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, the first thing he does is he forgives us and he wipes the slate clean of all of our sins. That's called justification. We're forgiven and it happens in an instant. But that's only half the story. Because then Jesus starts a process, a process in us by which we become better people. Less sinful, less selfish, more obedient to God, more like Jesus. And that process of spiritual growth is called sanctification. The process of becoming like Jesus. And in this passage, Paul gives a great description of what the end result of that process looks like. He says, we'll be able to love with knowledge and discernment. That is, love others in a way that knows and seeks what's best for them. And Paul says, we'll be pure. And the Greek word he uses there means to be sun-tested. 
That is, it refers to a pot that's been held up to the sun and, and, and exposed to have no flaws. And more than that, no paint or wax covering over any cracks. It means to be authentically, genuinely good. And I think that's something all of us want to be. Authentically good people, no flaws, no cover-ups. But the question is, how do we get there? So I want to look at four key words in the verse I just read that can help us understand the process of sanctification, the process of becoming like Jesus. And the first word is this, he. He. The verse says, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. Notice the text doesn't say, it that began a good work in you. And it certainly doesn't say, you that began a good work in you. It says, he that began a good work in you. In other words, sanctification, the process of becoming like Jesus, isn't something we do, it's something that God does in us. It's not a program or a formula that we can adopt. It's it's not a self-help book we can go buy at Barnes & Noble, you know, Sanctification for Dummies or How to Become Like Jesus in Ten Steps. It is not something we do. It's something that happens to us when we are in a relationship with God. Now, for some of us, that's frustrating because we're used to doing for ourselves. We're self-reliant, goal-oriented people who like to do things for ourselves. That's how we've achieved everything we've got. But the process of becoming spiritually whole is not something we can do on our own. We become whole people, not by our own efforts, but only by being in a relationship with God. And this shouldn't surprise us. Everything God does, he does in relationship. In fact, the doctrine of the Trinity tells us that God himself is a relationship. Existing in a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the center of the universe is a relationship. It's the most powerful thing there is. And only relationship with God will change us. The more we know him, the more we become like him, the more we take on his characteristics. That's sanctification. You know, because I've spent most of my adult life with college students, I have over the years sort of taken on some of their characteristics. They've changed the way I think. They've changed the way I look at the world. They've even changed the way I speak. I used to speak the king's English, but now I say things like, wow, that movie was the bomb, which means it was good. <laughs> means it was, the bomb means good. <clears throat> Being in a relationship with college students has transformed me. And it's a little bit like that with God. We become like him as we draw close to him and relate to him. Now, that doesn't mean that we're just passive agents in all of this, that we don't have a role, that we can just sort of sit back and let the healing begin. We have a role to play. Our job is to draw closer to God through prayer, scripture, worship, serving him, obeying his commands. None of those things sanctify us, but they do bring us closer to the one who can change us. And they help us take on his characteristics. We are sanctified only as we know the sanctifier. He changes us. The second word I want to look at is in you. Or among you, in the NRSV, among you. And while becoming like Jesus is certainly something that happens to us as individuals, the among you that Paul is talking about is a plural you. He's speaking to an entire community. And one of the things he's getting at is that we become whole people only in community. We can't do it on our own. When I was in college, I used to go home for the summers. And every summer I'd go home, my faith would just sort of start to unravel. 
I'd start to doubt more. I'd start to fight with my parents. I mean, suddenly I was 13 years old again. And the reason was because I didn't have a community around me like I did at school. There was no one there to remind me of my better self, to spur me on to growth in Christ, so I regressed. And that's why ever since then I have always been a part of a small men's group wherever I've gone. I'm part of one here, uh, composed of men from this church. And in those groups over the years, we have prayed for each other. We have challenged each other to take risks of faith so that we can grow. We hold each other accountable by asking each other questions like, Have you loved your wife the way Christ loves the church this week? Have you been above board in all your business dealings? Have you kept your thoughts pure? And then, of course, the last question is always, Have you lied to me on any of your answers? Now, we don't do that in a judgmental way, but in a way that says to each other, hey, here's who you've said you want to be. Let me help you get there. There is no way that we can become better people without an honest, vulnerable, challenging community around us. And if you're not in one of those communities, I would really encourage you to get in one. And if you're in a community that is not that honest and not that challenging, you all need to get there. We were never meant to be alone on our spiritual journey. You cannot find one person in the Bible who is alone in his or her faith. Christianity is personal, but it's not private. We become whole only together in community. The third word I want to look at is until. Until. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is, sanctification is a process and it takes a lifetime. It goes on until we see Jesus face to face. Now again, I find this frustrating. Because like you, I am part of the instant culture where we get everything instantly. You know, take a Tylenol and immediate relief. Hit the remote, boom, a whole new channel. You know, And I don't want to wait to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus and I want to be like Jesus right now. But you know what? Paul is not talking about sanctification in this passage. <laughs> He's talking about a process in it, in it take, of becoming spiritually whole, and that process isn't complete until we see Jesus face to face. And I think there's a good reason for that. Because it keeps us having to come back to God over and over and over again, which helps us know Him better. You know, if I were to wake up tomorrow and, and God were just to sort of suddenly zap me and make me perfect all at once... You know, no sins, no temptations, no problems, just poof, you're perfect. I would be so deeply grateful to him for a week. (laughs) Ten days, tops. And then not needing him, I'd probably never think of him again. God's work in our lives will go on until the day of Christ Jesus in order to keep us clinging to him until the day of Christ Jesus. Because remember, sanctification is about getting closer to God, not about mastering a set of moral skills that we can check off our moral to-do list and feel proud. So, sanctification is relational. He does it in relationship to Him. It happens in a community, in us, among us, plural, and it's a process. And finally, sanctification is guaranteed if we know Jesus. It is guaranteed. Paul begins this verse saying, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will finish it. And that's the most important word he uses, confident. If we have a living relationship with Jesus, if we know the he who begins every good work in us, then we can have confidence that not only are we forgiven, 
that is justified, but that finally we will become the pure and holy, whole people he intends us to be, that is, sanctified. You know, sometimes I wonder, how many times am I going to fail? How many times will I make the same mistakes? How long till my soul gets it right? And maybe you ask some of those questions too. Will I ever improve as a Christian? Will I, will I ever conquer this sin or this habit or this problem? What this verse says is that yes, you can and yes, you will if you know Jesus Christ because he won't quit until we're whole. You can sum up the point of this verse. In fact, you can sum up the point of the whole Bible in four simple words. God never gives up. God never gives up. And that's what Paul is saying here, that this he who began a good work in us will not stop working in our lives until we know him and until we become just like him. Because like a loving father, or in keeping with the theme for today, like a mother who is patient and persistent in her love, God never gives up. Let me illustrate. I first became a Christian when I was five years old in Sue Hinkle's Sunday school class at Westside Presbyterian Church in Richland, Washington. One Sunday, she, she asked us to put our heads down on a desk and close our eyes and put our thumbs up if we wanted to receive Jesus. It's a Presbyterian altar call. So I put my thumb up. In fact, I put it way up because there's a little bit of Baptist in me. And Sue Hinkle said this wonderful thing. She said, I see that thumb, and I knew I was forgiven. But gradually, my family and I drifted away from the church. And by high school, I had completely forgotten that moment. And I was interested in all kinds of other things, including alcohol and marijuana. And I had a terrible temper. In fact, at one point, I even tore a door off its hinge. I was so angry. And along the way, I had decided that what I really wanted to be was an avant-garde, left-wing, atheist intellectual. I had no idea what that meant. I assumed it had something to do with reading a lot of books and being depressed all the time, so that's what I did. It's a great life. Then after high school, I graduated and I, I got a job as a file clerk in an insurance company because that's the only kind of job you can get when you're an avant-garde, left-wing, intellectual 18-year-old. And I worked there with this woman named Margie, and she was a Christian. And I used to make fun of her all the time. I would just tell her how stupid Christians were. Well, one morning in my apartment, I scalded my arm on a coffee pot and ended up with a third-degree burn and this terrible open sore. But being an 18-year-old avant-garde left-wing intellectual, I didn't know what to do, so I just went to, uh, went to work. And during the morning break, Margie came up to me with this bag of stuff that she had bought at the drugstore down the street. It was full of creams and band-aids, and she even had some vitamin E because she said it would keep it from scarring over. And as she was putting all this stuff on my arm, she said, I know that you think Christians are stupid. You've made that really clear. But I think you ought to know that God loves you, and that he's looking out for you, and that he's got your best interests at heart. And then she just walked away. Well, that got me thinking. I was living alone at the time. I I had, I, I, I had broken up with my girlfriend and my avant-garde intellectualism wasn't working so well for me. And Margie's comments got me curious about Jesus. And that started a nine-month process of me reading every Christian book I could get my hands on 
which eventually led to me coming back to my Christian roots and engaging in active faith. That's sanctification. You see, at five years old, I put my thumb up in Sue Hinkle's Sunday school class, and as far as God was concerned, that meant that he had begun a good work in me. And he was committed to finishing it. And no matter how many times I messed it up, no matter how many detours I took, he was committed to me for life. I still have the scar on my arm. Margie was wrong. The vitamin E didn't work. (laughs) But I'm glad I have the scar because it reminds me of a couple important things. Sometimes in a certain light, I actually can't see the scar. And that reminds me that sometimes I can't see God's work in my life, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. I am not the same person I was 20 years ago when I got this scar. Getting drunk has long since vanished from my life, and I haven't even wanted to tear a door off its hinges for decades. (laughs) God has been at work changing me, whether I could see it or not. And the scar reminds me of my relationship with God and the scars he suffered on the cross to purchase it. And the scar reminds me that I can't become like Jesus by myself, but that I need a community of people like Margie to help me get there. And most of all, the scar reminds me that God never gives up and that he'll do anything to help me become the person he wants me to be, even use a burn on my arm to get my attention through the active love of a co-worker whose face I have long forgotten and who does not even know I'm a Christian, let alone a pastor. He began a good work in me. He will bring it to completion. My job is just to get closer to him and let him do that. So I want to ask you this question. Do you know him? Do you know this he who begins every good work in you and who can make you whole? If you don't, I'd just like to encourage you to say a simple prayer this morning. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life, forgive my sins, begin a good work in me. And then tell someone that you prayed that prayer if you do. And for those of us who do know him, let me ask this, do we trust him? Do we trust him? Do we trust that even though the progress may be slow, he is working? Do do we seek closeness with him through prayer and scripture and worship and service so that we can become more like him? Do we rely on other people to help us grow in our faith? Do we at least try to obey his commands so that we can practice his character? And do we trust that no matter how many times we fail, he never gives up on us, ever? The old hymn says it better than I can. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. And let your goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Fit it for thy courts above. Prone to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love? I do it daily. But what sanctification means is that God never gives up. And no matter how many times we fail, no matter how far we run, will we, nil we, we will be whole. Because if we know Jesus Christ, the God who begins every good work in us will make it so. And he has one more yes to say to us than we have no to say to him. Lord, thank you so much that you never give up on us. And that no matter how faithless we are, Lord, you are always faithful. For those who don't know you, I'd ask that you'd make yourself so real to them that they can't help but draw into a relationship with you. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, 
Help us to cling closely to you. Give us a closer walk with you so that we can become more like you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.